This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and as seems to be the tradition lately, uh, I have a correction to make <laughs> at the top of the show. Look, if I make if I get something wrong, I'm going to correct it. And, you know, somebody points it out, and, I, and it turns out, hey, I'm wrong. I'm going to correct it. I'm going to do it right at the top of the next show because I should. I'm not going to shy away from being wrong because sometimes I am wrong. It's pretty rare, though, but not <laughs> according to the last three shows. But, anyway, uh, I was talking last week about uh, about the Not So Much History channel. Well, I'll be talking about them again tonight, or whenever you listen to this. Uh, anyway, so I mentioned that you know, the History channel has gone through you know a de-evolution. You know, when it started out being actually about history, and they would have documentaries about other countries and their histories and American history and all kinds of things. And then in, in the mid-period, uh, it, it, it went into pretty much just World War II and Hitler and becoming the Hitler Channel. And then uh, after the middle period ended, uh, it became ancient astronauts and Nostradamus and pseudo-scientific nonsense. And I guess this, right now they're kind of in the... Uh, they still have all the ancient astronauts and that kind of crap, but now they've got sort of reality shows. So I went over that at the end of the show last week, and I mentioned I mentioned uh, the show American Pickers. Now American Pickers, I I said that the guys involved on that show were were pawn shop guys, you know. Like the uh, like the guys on uh, uh, on Pawn Stars, <laughs> you get it? Pawn Stars, it's kind of like porn, <laughs> you know? You know, Pawn Stars, porns. <laughs> That's so clever, I'm telling you. You know, I was thinking they could really expand that, and 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 they could do a pornography. And then I looked it up. They did. There was a pornography show, pornography, and. Uh, what's the hardcore pawn? Uh, har- hardcore uh, or pawn stars uh, ca- or Cajun pawn stars and and pawn stars or hardcore hardcore pawn Chicago or th- I think that's what it was called. So I thought you know maybe I'd just kind of throw out a couple extra ideas uh, since you know since we want to uh, you know normalize porn as much as we possibly can. Um, Oh, there's another one that was called Pawn Queens. I mean, we could do, you know, Pawn Kings. Why not? Uh, uh, you know, Gay Pawn. 
you know, why not? We get a gay pawn. It's just you know kind of caters to the uh, the queer audience, the LGBT and you know that audience. Uh, we could do let's see, there could be amateur pawn. Uh, just people don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> there could be uh, 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 milf pawn, uh, tentacle pawn. That would be creepy uh, and weird, uh, but not as bad as kitty pawn. You know, actually, I think probably should stay away from that. But you know, it could just be you know kids that are antiques shoppers and pawn dealers and such. Huh? Kitty pawn? Huh? Wouldn't that be great? How about how about how about this one? Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I know pawn when I see it. How about that? It's a it's a longer title. Do you think? What do you think? I don't know. It's just it's just maybe it's just the old man in me that's thinking, you know, why in my day Porn was something that you went to a video store and had to walk that shameful walk all the way to the back of the store and through the beaded uh, uh, hangings, things, strings with beads on it to hang and you'd go in through, or there'd be a, a saloon-style swinging door and you'd walk in there and, and you'd spend, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've never done such a thing in my life. <laughs> and you walk back out, and there's a young woman behind the counter and you hand... <laughs> Uh, it's just the things you would do, lonely single men. <clears throat> I don't know about you women out there, how, how you handle it, but uh, you kids don't know what it was like to have to, to, have to do that. So, oh, okay, and, and then, I, again, I'll, and like I said, if I'm wrong, I like to correct myself top of the show if you you let me know you can email me at dr dim at dimland.com d-r-d-i-m at dimland.com you know you can did you know that you can subscribe to the show on itunes and and through podbean i'm sure you can get there i'm going to check around and see where else you can find it. I'm gonna see if you can find it on google play or and it should be available on stitcher i guess somehow but um did you know that you can do that and and you can you don't have to listen just you know just download it Trying to get you know get to up there. See, see, I figure if I can get enough, um, you know, then then you start you know hitting people for the Patreon. Well, I don't know, I might, but because it would be nice to have a little better setup. Uh, I I try my best with this, and I I hope you know I, I I still make a goof up every now and then because well you know it's just it's just me. I don't have a producer. Not that I'd hire somebody, but you know. And I thought if I could just get. <clears throat> It, it, it get 14 people a month to give me a dollar. That would pay for what I pay Podbean to do my podcast thing, to, to put it up there. But then I thought really deeply, you know, really what I should be going for, I should be going after my billionaire listeners. I've got to have some, right? You know, it's great. There's some billionaires want to listen to this guy, right? So if I can get 14 of them to crack off a million for me, I, come on, it's a million. You're going to make that back by noon. Come on, just just send me, a, you know, come on. And then, you see, then I won't have to worry about anything at all. <laughs> Build myself a nice little studio. You know. <clears throat> Fix the muffler on the van. I could do that. If I just, just that's all I'm looking for. Well, you know, a, 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 a young boy can dream, can't he? Anyway, so, um, like I said, if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself at the beginning of the show. Uh... Then, after I've done that, I will get to crow about being right about something. <laughs> last week, at the end of the show, uh, I was talking about, or toward the end of the show, the last segment of the show, I was talking about the Not So Much History Channel. 
uh, and their, their special that they were going to run, their pseudo-science, or pseudo-history special, about uh, what happened, whatever happened to Amelia Earhart. And uh, I talked about a photograph that had been found, according to the report that I watched that was on the Today, the Today Show prior to this uh, airing on the Not So Much History channel. Uh, the Today Show's report said that a photograph had been found in the National Archive by a fellow who is a retired U.S. Treasury person, and uh, I guess it's, he's made it his hobby to try to, he's one in, among some others, who's tried to make this, uh, uh, to pr disprove the standard model explanation for what happened to Amelia Earhart, which is nam namely, she left New Guinea, she was flying to Howland Island, which is in the South Pacific, um, went off course, couldn't find the island, and, and ran out of fuel, crashed into the ocean, and she and her navigator died. So that's the standard model explanation. All the evidence really kind of points in that direction, all the good evidence, you know, the real speculative, loose, kind of weird evidence, anecdotal stuff and all that, I mean, that the, the conspiracy theory-minded type person would glom onto, well, okay. Now they're thinking that she was captured by the Japanese. And so there's this photograph that came up. And, the, and as I said last week, uh, I kinda, I'll hit the bullet points of what I went over last week. Um, it's, you know, it, they say, the, 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 the people who they are investigating this thing and were behind this, this documentary that was shown on the Not So Much History channel, uh, one of them, I guess, is a guy named Rick Gillespie, and I think he's got a bit of a reputation of jumping onto these kind of uh, pseudo-history, pseudo-science causes. So that should have been a red flag, but I'm not so certain. I mean, it's a red flag that it's on that channel in the first place. But um, they claim that you can see the airplane in it, and I, you know, the, the detail is just way too bad. It's, it's too indistinct. You can't even tell if it's a plane, let alone how big it is. And they, they claimed that it was 38 feet, well, which is the same size as the plane that Amelia Earhart was flying. And then, you know, the guy that's supposed to be Fred Noonan that they see on there, they say, well, his, you know, his hairline matches, the guy in the picture, the hairline matches the, you know, pictures of Fred Noonan. Well, lots of men have that kind of hairline, and even Japanese men at the, as well, and other men who live in the South Pacific. I don't even know if those people were Japanese. They might not have been. Um, it's Marshall Islands. It's not necessarily. It's not necessarily Japan. So, uh, and and I'm getting to some other thing on this. Uh, and so that that was that problem I had there. And then the person that's supposed to be Amelia Earhart. Well, I mean, how can what how how can you this this she's there's just so little of her. If it is if it is a, a woman, it could be a guy. You know, it's it's you can't tell. And so uh, uh, and then there's no guards. If these are prisoners, where are the guards? And that the guards thing hit me when I was going through my reservations with the photograph. It's last week. I was just, well, I didn't even think of that beforehand. And I just went, oh, wow, yeah, we're the guards. If these are prisoners, okay. So, but the main thing of this photograph is, is that it's just too indistinct to know, to be able to make any kind of declaration that would overturn the standard model explanation of what had happened. It's just, it's just, there's just not enough there. 
Well, isn't the internet a wonderful thing? Sometimes it is, and you know I think skeptics can take this as a bit of a victory. Yeah, we we I just saw on Facebook today a, a skeptic uh, uh, saying that you know skepticism seems to be slipping a little bit, and the flat earthers seem to be gaining. Well, you know the flat earthers are a bit silly, and uh, I read an article today. Uh, uh, an opinion piece written by somebody that, that says he, he's, he's happy for the, uh, the Flat Earth movement being there. He's a skeptic, and he says he's happy because it's, it's a really good way to use that as an example because most people will think that's a silly idea. I mean, most people are going to think it. They're just, they may not be able to explain to you why, how they know that the Earth is round, but, but they, it's just, that's ridiculous to think that it's flat. They, it, most people will, will be in that position. But of those most people, some of them might think that chemtrails are, you know, that the contrails that come out of planes are chemicals. Or they might think that, uh, you know, global climate change is, 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 is a hoax. Or they might think the moon landing is a hoax. So you can, you can say, well, you can draw the parallels of the silliness of the lack of evidence uh, between, you know, with the flat earthers and maybe that might help influence people that are prone or might be close to being prone uh, to think in the conspiratorial mind. The, the ones that maybe not have not gone over the edge. If somebody's gone over the edge, it's going to take a lot to draw them back. And they may be a lost cause. But we still try. And so with what happened after the airing of Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence, which was the name of the, uh, of the uh, special, on, on the Not So Much History channel, after the airing, and you can spell that one or two ways. <laughs> you know, A-I-R-I-N-G or E-R-R-I-N-G. Because both, both work. The airing of you know, Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence. The Lost Evidence is this photograph. Well, there's a Japanese blogger. Let me see if I got his name. I know I wrote it down. Let's see if I can find it. There's a Japanese blogger who, who blogs mainly about uh, military history. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Japanese military history or, or just military history in general. But his name is Kota uh, Yamano. I hope I got the, it right. Um, he, noted, he, just, he saw the photograph. I'm not sure if he saw the special or whatever it was. But it was a couple, within a couple of three days after the special ran, he's... He went and did a search on, it's called the Japanese National Diet Library. I'm not sure what the diet part means. If you know why it's called that, I mean, diet, you know, word probably means more than just what you eat or if you don't eat. Yeah, it probably, it, I'm sure it means, something, it means something else there. But the National Japanese Library, let's just call it that, that's uh, um, on the online thing. And so he just went to the, the website Put in a search for Jatal, J no, Jalut Atal. I was taking the two words, put them together, which is where this photograph is said to have been taken. You know, the picture was supposed to be taken because underneath it, it has Marshall Islands, J Jalut. I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. Um, Atal. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly. Atal, Atal, Atal. I don't know. But anyway, so he look. He, he put that in a search, and he got he he found. A, uh, a travel log photo book that uh, you know that that features areas in the South Pacific and it's been digitized so you could you can I've gone to it and you can click through the pages 
and and see the pictures on the pages and the writings in Japanese or I'm assuming Japanese, and you know it's it's so I, I don't know what it says, and in the description that, that that shows up on the on the page as you scrolling through this book on the side it'll have the date that the book was published, and it's called and they they call it Showa. 10. That's the date. Now that's, uh, as I understand it, it's uh, it's like it, the empirical calendar. Uh, it, the in Japan uh, has an emperor. I don't know if they still have an emperor. <laughs> you think I'd know that? But they've had emperors, and when an emperor comes into power, or the, during in their reign, they call each year a Showa, and they give it a number. So you know their first year of reign would be Showa one and then show a two on and on. Well, this photograph was set up, uh, or the book was published in Showa 10, which works out to be the 10th year of Emperor Showa's reign, I hope I have all this correct, was 1935. Amelia Earhart's flight, where she disappeared, was 1937. So there's no way that those people are Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan, and that airplane-like shape thing is the plane that she flew. It's not possible. Well, so this was brought to the attention of the Not So Much History Channel, and uh, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure uh, you know the boss there, whoever it is, you know JB, you know a guy comes walking and says, "Hey, you know, boss, you." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> You might not think this is funny now, but when you think about it, you know, a little later, you, you might find this, this, this is funny. Uh, you know that show we did in that picture? You know, that, that the Amelia Earhart thing? Oh, yeah, that's great. We, we're going to, you know, we're doing some real history there. Well, um, apparently the picture was published in a book two years before she actually took that flight. What? <laughs> and we're going to have to respond some way. So, uh, you... News organizations have contacted the History Channel, and they and and they le released a, a statement. I, I'm sure it was you, you know via the internet or Twitter or something like that because I can't see anybody there saying this with a straight face. History has a team of investigators exploring this latest development about Amelia Earhart. We will be transparent in our findings. Ultimately, historical accuracy is most important to us and our viewers. <laughs> Remember, this is the same channel that brings you ancient aliens. Yeah, historical accuracy. Real important. You know what's important right now? It's important that I take a break because I have to have a sip of beer. It's going to be good. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I, I just only had a few sips of beer, really. It's just the one so far. So I'm not, you know, I'm not. But uh, I'll, I'll be back after this. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. 
Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Delphal News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit DelphalNews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Delphal News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delphal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Well, okay, uh, I've noticed lately that I've been remiss in my uh, providing my dear listeners with movies to watch, recommendations for you guys. I've been, I haven't been doing them and for a while. I can't remember the last one I did. Uh, I could look it up, but you don't want me to go through that. Anyway, I thought, why n- not do it now instead of waiting toward the end of the show when I might be running out of time, which is, you know, what I do. And so uh, I just watched this the other night. Uh, you can get it through Netflix on DVD. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can check Amazon. Maybe you can get a streaming thing that way, but... Uh, uh, it's a movie from 1968. It's called The Boston Strangler, and it's it stars Tony Curtis in this in the uh, title role. Uh, he plays Albert DeSalvo, and Henry Fonda plays the uh, the lead investigator, trying to catch this guy. And it's um, it's 1968. So the first thing that I found interesting about the movie is that uh, both. Henry Fonda and Tony Curtis came up during the Hollywood studio system, where actors uh, would would be under contract to a particular studio. Uh, they could be loaned out to other studios by you know you know by one studio to another. That that happened. Usually some Wheeler deal kind of things to get other actors in their movies and such. And um, and usually there was a there's a bit of protection in that Hollywood system, and it was kind of a 
uh, it was kind of a, an assembly line sort of way of making movies. Not quite that bare bones, but uh, um, it, there were standout directors back then as well. But after the studio system began to break down, and that was in the 60s at some point, and it, which gave rise to the age of the director, where you had all these uh, very singular voices of you know actors, and they were all guys for Pete's sake. I'm sh now, there must have been a woman director or two maybe then, but I can't think of any. I mean, Ida Lupino, she came up to the Hollywood system as an as a you know young starlet, as an ingenue when she started, and then she would act, and then she ended up uh, she became a director. She would direct films, she would direct TV shows. I think she directed some episodes of of uh, Gilligan's Island, I think. Of course, I'm going off the top of my head. I could be wrong, so, you know, don't get too worked up. Well, <clears throat> um, anyway, that, that gave rise to the era that uh, brought us uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and uh, Michael Cimino and Martin Scorsese, you know, those sort of directors, uh, William Friedkin and... and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, who brought us the blockbuster films, uh, you know, who thought, who showed that wow, you know, we could make these movies and they could be huge. And Steven Spielberg showed that uh, Hollywood could release a, a big movie during the summer, and it would be a monster because the summer used to be the, used to be the dead zone. Just put in the stuff for the kids, and the teenagers, you know, the, not necessarily the big quality movies. Just really release those in the summer. But Jaws showed that. There's an audience that wants to see movies, good movies, in the summer. So, kind of started that. Now, um, I mentioned that because I thought it was interesting that uh, you know Henry Fonda and Tony Curtis came up through the Hollywood system, but they here they are. They're transitioning into the director's age. So there's a there's a difference in the way they're being directed and how to act and and the way the stories are written and the way the films are done I mean in that late 60s the films were getting that gritty look you think of 70s films especially cop dramas you know Dirty Harry and and the French Connection and and, and uh, Boston Strangler when you think of those movies there's there's a there's a certain grittiness to them and um, so, and so the Boston Strangler certainly has that and uh, so it was kinda cool to see in those those old-time Hollywood actors especially Henry Fonda uh, in the more in the newer s sensibility of film uh, you have George Kennedy in there and it's early on in his career and he was really good in the movie I thought I really liked him I thought he was really good he was one of the detectives he could be a little tough but he you know was a bit cynical but uh, a little reserved a little you know just he, he gets angry at one point uh, about um, you know, because this Boston Strangler guy did some weird stuff to these women. He killed, I think, about 13 women, uh, at least he's accused of it. There was some question whether DeSalvo was actually involved, but at least in one murder, they did nail it down with DNA. Later on, they were able to nail it down with DNA. They exhumed his body, checked it against the uh, semen sample that they had, and they nailed it. So it, he was at least responsible for, for that one. Um, so... Uh, there was the director, I uh, wrote his name down too, it's not a name that I'm uh, absolutely familiar with, but Richard Fleischer, he directed, directed it, and he used uh, the split screen through several scenes in the movie. He would split the screen either up, you know, two or three or maybe even more 
little bits. So it's nice that we have the widescreen era of televisions now, because uh, in the old days of pan and scan, that's where they had to kind of decide what to show you in a picture that's widescreen so that it would fit your aspect ratio of your old TV set, which is more square. It's a little bit rectangle, but it's a little more square than our widescreens now. So now we can get movies in the widescreen so we can see it the way, you know, pretty close to the way it was presented in the theaters. So it, the impact is now returned on some of these things. You, you, I remember Spielberg being upset about uh, the the, pick, the pan and scan version of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where there's a moment when uh, Spiel, uh, no, no, what's his name? Uh, Sean Connery playing Dr. Jones, and, uh, Dr. Jones Sr., and, and uh, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, Dr. Jones Jr., they they, they come to a realization at the same time. They're looking at each other. They just they, they realize, I think it's when they're deciding where they should go. They're on the motorcycle with the little rider cart on the side, and, and they're stopped, and there's a, one way goes to Berlin, and the other one way goes to, I don't know, the Holland Islands. Uh, Holland Island. But uh, they, they, they're deciding what to do, and there's a moment where they, they come to the same decision at the same time. And when Spielberg saw that the pan and scan had to have them coming to the decisions at separate times because they couldn't get them both on the screen at the same time, he thought, ah, oh, he didn't like that. He didn't like it. So there's things like that. So in these split screens, uh, early in the film, you've got the left side of the screen as you're watching is kind of dark. It's, it's, it's like one-third of the screen. And it looks like it could be the inst a door. It looks like that's what you're seeing, but you can't really tell what's going on there. And the rest of the screen, the other two thirds, is out in a hallway in an apartment building. And uh, the super, whoever, comes through and he drops mail at each of three doors in this little hallway. And two of the doors open right up, and these two older ladies come out. And the door in the middle stays closed. The two older ladies are talking to each other. They're picking up their mail and they're, and they're just kibitzing. And then they notice that uh, the gal in between hasn't come to her door because apparently this is an everyday thing. They come and get their mail, and she's not. So they they, they question what's going on. Do you think she's is she gone? I said I would have heard if she was gone. Is she sick? Oh, maybe you know she's been having trouble with that. Why you know, she has those terrible headaches or whatever she says, and they they go to the door and they ring the bell or knock on her or something, and, and then they check and they see that it's left open and they go in, and then the left side of the screen that was dark maybe it could have been a door, you, the door starts to open. So you get both shots now happening. You're seeing this is happening at the same time. And as that door comes open, we see the feet of the woman that, uh, you know, uh, next door, lying, she's lying down. And it's just, you know, and the reaction and we see out in the hall and all that. And they, and the director uses the same method when, when we finally uh, you know, in the early shots, uh, uh, scenes where the, the strangler is Going after his victims uh, and using the split screen as he, you know, you don't see the guy yet, but you you hear his voice coming over the intercom. You see somebody thinking about letting him in, maybe not letting him in. And then when Tony Curtis finally shows up in the film, it's it's just building these scenes. It's really, I think I thought it was really effective, uh, and so that was cool. There are three strikes to the movie. It doesn't. It doesn't put it out. I know I'm a baseball guy, but it's three strikes. It doesn't put it out. Uh, oh, by the way, baseball. I uh, just want to sideline for a moment here. Um, my Minnesota Twins, 
Uh, I call them mine, but they're not. If they were mine, I wouldn't need those those 14 billionaires to give me a million dollars. Anyway, uh, they're in, they just got out of the All-Star break, and they're in a really, really tough stretch of 12 games. Uh, they're going to three games against the Houston Astros, who beat the crap out of them the last time they played three games against them. Uh, three games against the hated Yankees. Three games against the Detroit Tigers. That one might be a little less of a challenging series. And then three games against the LA Dodgers. These are the, those three teams are three of the best teams in the majors right now. And uh, earlier tonight, I was listening to the Twins. They were down 10 to one against Houston. I did check a little bit later, and they were down 10 to five. So at least they had a little bit of a comeback. I don't know how it ends up, but oh boy, <laughs> this this could be this could be rough. So anyway. What was I saying? Oh, yes, there are three strikes against this film, but it doesn't knock it out. And it's only because I'm a skeptic. Now, this is based on true events. And I, so, but it's, you know, it's Hollywood. You know what they do. And um, they have uh, strike one is a psychic, two is, a, is a hypnotizing. To regain memories, and three is multiple personalities. Uh, multiple personalities, or they call it dissociative personalities now. And I, 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 uh, dissociative—I uh, don't know, whatever they call it. I, I'm not sure how on board psychology is with the ideas of multiple personalities, and I'm not sure how on board they are, because it can be faked. You know, that, that's La Bianca guy that was a serial killer, he faked uh, being a, you know, split personality guy. So, uh, and the hypnotizing for memory, pfft, come on. It's, you just, you're planting memories as easily as you're, you know, it's more likely you're, plant, you're planting memories than eliciting, than pulling memories out. Uh, but the psychic one, I'll talk a little bit more about that. All right, so they get this guy as a psychic. Now Henry Fonda, his character is saying, "Look, I'll try. I'll 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 look at entrails on the steps of the state capitol, however he puts it. Would if that might get me a chance to get a lead to figure out what's going on here to find this guy." So you know, George Kennedy's a little skeptical about bringing in a, a psychic. So the psychic comes in. He's a Russian guy. He's a bit eccentric. He's 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 got an assistant with him who's job is pretty much to make sure that uh, that the that the psychic's uh, glass of uh, whiskey or brandy or whatever he's drinking doesn't get empty. <laughs> he's constantly filling it for him. And the guy's, you know, he's eccentric. It's eccentric. He, he acts weird. And he's kind of, uh, he comes in, ah, yeah, yes, he's got this, I, I, won't, I won't try to do the accent. But, you know, they have a, an array of photographs that are set upside down. And the photographs of the victims, and so he's oh I see you're going to test me. So he goes over and he puts his hand on one stack, and, and and he puts a hand on another, and then he puts a hand on a third. He says hey hey you're messing with me here. This doesn't belong. And he picks it up. He doesn't even look at it. He shows it to them. This doesn't belong, and it doesn't show one of the victims. It shows I don't know what it shows, but this doesn't belong. You're trying to I know you're trying to test me. And then he hits you know goes and he puts his hand on another picture. So hey, there's a woman laying on the floor. She's like this. And he gets down on the floor and he lays in the position and they and they and they, they pick up the picture and they look at it. And he says, "Am I right? I'm right. Am I not? You know, so, and he's right. He's right on." And then he says he says, "Where are the undergarments?" And they, oh, they're 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 being brought in. And uh, a a young detective comes in. A young James Brolin walks in with a box. 
and in the box is, is underwear from the victims. So he does this thing, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a term for it where, where a psychic will hold something that belonged to another to the to the person they're trying to figure something out about. And and they get impressions through it. So he's got this pa big pair of granny panties because a lot of the uh, uh, strangler victims, at least the early ones, were old ladies. Uh, so he got the granny panties and he's, he's oh, I, I see, and he starts saying all the stuff that he's seeing, and he's all this, which, you know, I won't tell you ultimately if he's absolutely right, but he's, but I will say he's accurate. So you'll see if you watch the movie. You'll understand what I mean. But that's only in movies. Only in Hollywood. Only in that way. This is not how it really works. It's not really how they do it. There's somebody that... Because you know what he does? He gets the box from the young detective, played by a young James Brolin. And when Brolin walks in the scene, he says, Sorry I'm late, fellas. I got backed up traffic on wherever, you know, it's in Boston, some highway. And the, 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 the psychic says, oh, no, 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 I see, I see some, I see a young woman bending over and I see that you, you, you couldn't resist and uh, I'm there on the kitchen table or whatever he's saying. He's, he's saying that, you know, you made this, you had sex, you know, he's telling this guy and Roland's character is just looking mortified because because he's absolutely right he's nailing every bit of it he's got every detail right apparently just by the reaction of this young detective's face and then he's he's just kind of he's, he's shaken by this and the russian puts his arm as oh don't you mind don't you don't be embarrassed i'm sure some of these detectives here have have, have uh, you know had sex before coming into work you know it's uh, perfectly natural you're a young man or whatever you know, it's like oh god this does not happen Really, it, this does not happen with actual, uh, <clears throat> actual in parentheses, or in scare quotes. Uh, this doesn't happen with the psychics. I will uh, give you an example of what happens with the psychics when I come back. Now, brace yourself. This song starts out with a scream. So, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return after this break. I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Give me whiplash looking up there, too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. 
And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh**. Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That bumper was a little quiet, wasn't it? Especially after that one that started. Oh, well, what can you do? Um, okay. I have uh, I have about 2,400 or more Facebook friends. When I first started doing the Facebook thing, I would send out friend requests like crazy. I would accept any and all Facebook uh, friend requests that were sent to me. I still do, uh, as far as accepting them. I don't. I'm not as active as going out and doing the Facebook requests now. Um, I know. I think the limit is still like five thousand or something. I haven't gotten there yet. But anyway. <clears throat> but lately, this week, I've been getting you know, like one or two a day through most every day of the week. Interesting. I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> now if only they would download the show. You can subscribe on iTunes. Did I mention that? You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, you know. It just shows right up in your thing. Well, all right. Um, and because I, uh, I'm i on ZTalk Radio, and I have uh, some connection to, to ZTalk, and ZTalk Station is, uh, uh, I have the connection of being the resident skeptic because the station is pretty much... All believers in some stuff that I'm skeptical of. <laughs> uh, you know, conspiracy theory. Alex Jones is on here. <laughs> now he's a, it's a syndicated thing, but and, you know, and he's a he's a you know he's a anyway. Uh, and <laughs> and there's other people on here. They believe they're psychics or they're uh, they're ghost hunters or they're you know, stuff like that. And they just don't. That they just don't have the the skeptical stuff that I've got going for me, you know, the skeptical chops I have, and I don't even have the greatest skeptical chops. I'm working on it. I'm learning. But um, anyway, 
as the resident skeptic, I, I've gotten friends with people who are on that other side of the of the coin of uh, of uh, you know skepticism on one side and believing on the other. Uh, those other people on there, I have a pretty good friend that uh, believes a lot of stuff I don't, <laughs> accepts a lot of stuff that I don't. But um, I have one, uh, I have more than one. The, the guy who owns this station, uh, ZTalk Radio, he believes he's a medium, that he has a spirit guide that he's had since he was a child. He believes it, and I believe he believes it, uh, but I think he knows that I'm not sure that I believe that it's true. And he probably has pity for me. Oh, Jim, you'd open up a wider world if you... No, nah, no, sorry. Science has a really wide open world right now, and it's a world that we can know. Uh, maybe there's some things that are going to be really difficult to know, but we can know stuff. We don't have to believe it, necessarily. We can know it. Anyway, um, one of my friends is uh, a psychic. She's a medium. She communicates with animals. Of course, you know what to do. If you ever bring a per an animal communicator in with you, you know, that can psychically communicate with your animal, and you bring them in, and if they ask you at the, right of the way, you know, what's the name of your pet, all you do is just look at them and just ask the pet. Surely the pet knows its own name. I learned that from James Randi. You know, now, if you asked my cat what its name is, she'd probably say Kitty. Her name's Callie but we call her kitty all the time. Don't ask me why. All right, so anyway, so she, she posts this thing about being uh, uh, a remote viewer and astral projecting and stuff like that and about how accurate she is and how she can, she can see things out there. You know, by, by just sitting in her room and she can see it. And I, I thought, okay, now maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have been more... Just, uh, you know, I'm just going to move on. More selective. Uh, <clears throat> I went to the Google images, and I found an image of an object. And I printed it out, and I sat it on my desktop at my left elbow, and I put a comment in on her, her statement about being a great remote viewer, and I said, uh, I said uh, next to my left elbow is a printout of a picture of an of an object, can you please tell me what the object is? Uh, be as specific as you can. Thank you. Well, her first dodge was uh, well, <laughs> you know, if you're gonna do this with me, you know, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, you can call me tomorrow after 11 a.m. Eastern, and she put her num number in there. Uh, okay, and, then, and I, I don't know why, but I first assumed that maybe she has a radio show or something. She'd get me on the air. Let's get the skeptic on the air. And let's, let's show everybody how great he is. But no, uh, I, she doesn't. She's got a website I've looked up. Uh, I'm not going to say who she is. But um, I looked it up, and she's part of a ghost hunting group and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, and I thought, oh, well, she just wants me to call her long distance. Uh, I suppose I could call my cell phone. It wouldn't be as expensive, but... She wants me to call long distance and, uh, you know, do this privately. So when she fails, it won't be public. Because, because what she would do would be essentially a, a psychic 20 questions. It's not, you know, she wouldn't be able to identify the object. Because I wouldn't play ball. I said, I'm just going to sit here quietly and you just go ahead and tell me what it is. 
and I, and, I, and and I said to her, well, why can't you just? I, I responded. I said, why can't you just do it? Why can't you remote view it now? And uh, so her response was, you sure are the type uh, that's uh, your way or none. Well, if you want hands-on with my abilities, it's my way or none. Have a good day, Mr. Jim. But she didn't leave it there. She went into a psychic reading for me. Seems your well, first she said, seems you're hard-assing a lot here on my timeline. Uh, that's referring to something else. If I, get, if I have time, I'll get to it. Uh, but then... And she asks, do tell who you are besides a journalist of let's show everyone you're right, they're wrong. Her grammar is terrible <laughs> in her writing. Sorry, punctuation bad, spelling, just, you know, please read it before you hit it, you know, before you hit post. Uh, you've got my number, plus there's a young female with you. She tells a story that when you were younger, how you sucked your thumb... Really? Children sucking their thumbs? Hmm. Uh, and how you felt everyone didn't like you. <laughs> know who she is? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, long, straight hair, two-tone color, dark roots with highlights. Dark eyes, small-framed lady. She's showing me mountains. Well, that's nice. Nice to have a picture of mountains. I also see something at your at on your elbow, like a star of some sorts. Also, some type of lamp, dark gray or black. Also, you nap a lot. I see. I also see coffee cup with hearing with I'm hearing Garfield on it. Was it your favorite? Hope this makes sense to you. Bingo! Oh, sorry. That's one of the things that cold readers say. Does this make sense? Does this make sense to you? Hope this makes sense to you, Mr. Needs Proof. I'm correcting her grammar in here a little bit. Have a great night. Also, looks to me you're having some issues with your big toe on your right foot. Maybe a hangnail or bunion, a corn. Cute sandals, by the way. Airplane? Gray? Fighter plane? Stumping the psychic is kids' games, sir. <laughs> what the f Oops. <laughs> So, I, you know what? I do have a black lamp in the house. I suppose that one over there could be considered dark gray. It's kind of a, a brushed aluminum, whatever. I don't know what it is. I suppose. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, um, I do like to take a nap once in a while, so, oh my God, she's amazing! <laughs> I did not suck my thumb as a child. I sucked my finger, my left finger, and I did it for a long time. And I did it, I mean, I did it up until, not in public all the time. There's lots of pictures of me as a kid. Well, there's a few pictures of me as a kid looking kind of sad, and that's because my dad was saying, get that finger out of your mouth. <laughs> that's what he did. I, I don't know. It just did. And I, and I did it so often that my jaw got out of alignment. So I had to get the, the, the hooks and binders put into my on the couple of teeth in the back, top and bottom, so that they could, you know, the binders could pull the jaw back into shape, and I had to, you know, give up the finger, which I tell you, that was not easy. I mean, I was what, I don't know, 25, and I had to, no, no, <laughs> I think I was probably up until about eight, but anyway. <clears throat> uh, what else has she got in here? Does she have in here? I should say, not got. Should have. Um, I, I, how, how I felt that uh, everyone didn't like me. Um, 
I don't think I ever really felt that, but but isn't that something that most people at some point in their lives feel, especially when they're kids or teenagers, you know, when they're going through that kind of stuff? Isn't that something, you know? Um, coffee cup, uh, I, uh, I, I don't drink coffee, never have. Um, I did like Garfield when I was a kid. I even liked Garfield when I was in high school. That's right. I like Garfield. Uh, not so much anymore. I haven't read Garfield forever. Um, well, for a long time. Because forever is, well, forever. Uh, but I never had a coffee cup with Garfield on it. We do have a coffee cup here that's from my wife, uh, I think, and it's got a Mickey Mouse on it. I I, that, see, that's what she meant. That makes sense now. Um, the the having a toe issue with my big toe on my right foot. No, no, there's no no. I did as a kid step on a nail with my left foot. I was stepping on, I was bending nails over on boards that were coming up through boards, and empty lots, some boards were there with nails on them, and I was stepping them down, bending them down, and one of the nails went through the bottom of my shoe and into my big toe on my left foot. And there's still a mark on there. Wow, that's, see, big toe problem? Yeah, but it's not my right foot, and it's not a corn or a bunion or a hangnail, or, you know, if she had more time, she could have guessed a few more other things, you know, fungus or whatever she wanted to guess. These are guesses. She's not doing what the guy in the movie did. She didn't, you know, she didn't say the she didn't tell me what the the image was next to my elbow. She didn't say it. Which leads me to my friend Kitty Mervine, who is a skeptic. Uh, she lives out there in uh, New Hampshire, I believe, live free or die. And I was talking to her about this, chatting with her, along with some other skeptic friends of mine, and saying, get a load of this. And I was posting with them you know, chatting with them, what she was saying, this, this, this psychic, and, and Kitty decided, well, let's, let's do the 20 questions. So she did 20 questions, and she got it, what the object was. She just was, you know, is it bigger than a bread box? Is it smaller? Is it bigger than a bicycle? Uh, you know, and I would say yes, no, you know, answers. And, but I, a couple of times, I steered her close to it. Um, you know, there was something like, is it owned by, you know, the, uh, by private citizens, something like that, or, and I said, no, owned by a business, no, and she said, military, and I said, yeah, you're kind of in the right direction, so she would ask questions, and she narrowed it down, and she got to this point, which is, is it something that's in space or in the atmosphere, which is two questions, but I said, yes, and she says, is it a satellite, and just as I'm typing yes, like Sputnik, I said, <laughs> exactly, I had a picture of Sputnik, the satellite that the Russians sent up in 1957 that shamed the American science community. How dare we be so far behind in science? Our education is terrible. we got to get better. And we did for a while. And now we're sucking ass again. But that's what it was. She got it through 20 questions. She didn't throw anything about my big toe or the color of my lamp or some small woman with two colors of hair and dark eyes. She didn't throw any of that nonsense in there. You know, if you want to give people like this a bro broad leeway, because you know, this is what people do, they'll they will make the connections. They'll find these things are not necessarily very specific. They're not. They might sound like they're specific, but they're open. Airplane, gray, fighter plane. What does that mean? I I when I was a kid, I made some models. I might have made a model airplane, but I don't. I'm not sure of my memories because, you know, memory's not videotaped. So what a bunch of nonsense. 
This is cold reading. I did not call her the next day. Oh, and a side note of interest with all this. Uh, when Kitty nailed Sputnik, she said, you know, she lived in uh, Manitowoc. Is that how it's pronounced? Wisconsin? She says, which is famous for two things. Now it's more famous for the making a murderer, the Steve Avery thing, you know, the guy who killed that, uh, uh, that woman that came out to take pictures of the cars on the uh, family uh, salvage lot that he lived at and worked at. Um, you know, the, the documentary makes it look like he didn't, but he did. Uh, it, it, they didn't tell you all the evidence. But anyway, she said, uh, you know, there was that. And the other thing that Manitowoc is famous for is that part, in 1962, part of Sputnik, as it re-entered the atmosphere, landed in, in, that, in that town. And they've, they've put a marker on the street where it hit, a little uh, brass circle that's in the, I think it's brass, but a circle that's embedded into the pavement, and then there's a plaque that has it set up. I'll link to everything in the show notes. You can get to the show notes by going to dimland.com and click on the blog option. You can check out the show notes notes there, and it'll have all the links and stuff. So the the accusation of me being a hard ass, uh, that came because somebody else in the thread, and I won't say his name, but uh, he, uh, he apparently uh, has an organization that uh, tests psychics, and uh, they do remote viewing. And he, before I got, I challenged uh, the psychic to do the remote re- uh, reading for me, the remote viewing for me, before I did that, he claims that at his organization, we have scientifically studied RV, remote viewing, not recreational vehicle, using EEG technology and use it to find missing persons use using it in the last 18 months we have located 19 kids we have a 91.3% success rate 91.3% Travis of the Minnesota Skeptics when I was talking to him about it he said why isn't it 100% <laughs> which is a good point why not 100% I mentioned it to Kitty, and Kitty said, wow, and it's not in the news. Oh, that's a good point. So what I said, I commented to the fellow. This is my being a hard ass. Such a success rate, and yet such a paucity of news coverage. Well, the doctor uh, says to me, I didn't get a PhD in neuroscience to be a publicity whore. Project, I won't say the name of it, is founded to help others not grab the spotlight. He did not notice. I didn't read that with a comma. It, it's, it, it, was, it is founded to help others, should be a comma, not grab the spotlight. So it's, it, it, without the comma, it's to help others not grab the spotlight so that you, know, you get no publicity, no co- news coverage. Um, but what they, he's saying is, we want to help the people. We don't want to make ourselves famous. I responded, I see. And the publicity wouldn't be useful in, in helping others to find their missing kids? His response to that, he pulled back the, uh, the defensiveness as far as telling me, I didn't earn my PhD. I don't know if you earned a PhD because I looked you up online, fella, and you don't have a bio on your website. You just have, you're part of the team with about eight or nine psychics and, a, and some priest 
and you're and you just call yourself doctor. You don't say where you got your PhD, what was your thesis. You do say it was you know it was uh, neuroscience, but you know and it might be. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, you got it. You didn't go to Thunderwood Thunderwood College and get your PhD. You went somewhere, but I would think you'd have a bio on there. Give your creds. Give your bona fides. No, no. Okay. And um, anyway, so he pulls back and he says, "Well, we 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 don't we don't do runaways. I mean, we're, we're just so busy." It's so busy with you know people working. It's it's just you know he can't find more remote viewers apparently. And so we're just so busy, and we 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 concentrate on those who are abducted. He said, I, he said, yes, it would be helpful to get more people to help, but ah, oh. um, I'm going to go a little long because I wanted to do this. I wanted to give you three really cool things, three great things that uh, I, I learned about this week, or saw this week. It may not have happened this week, but I learned about I saw them. Uh, number three, 65,000 people, an audience for a concert by, by Green Day, a band that you know, I liked right away and then didn't like almost like 20 minutes later. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, they get, but I won't get into that. Uh, uh, apparently, Green Day plays a, you know, before their shows, they have pre-recorded music that they play to kind of you know keep the audience a little entertained while they're waiting, and just before they take the stage, they play Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, and this this happens. I'm sure this happens every time they do their concerts. The audience sings along with sings along with the song, but this was you know this was in London's Hyde Park. There were sixty five thousand people there, and they all sang along. And it I'm my wife was watching it just just before I started recording, and. She said she was getting goosebumps, and she started crying. She said, "This is beautiful." It's just, it's it, it, someone on Facebook had posted, "Was so much bad going on? Can can we have some? Can somebody just show me something good?" You know, she was requesting that. So I I put in I put it in. I said, "Well, this warms my heart," and I put the link to that video to that, and and you know, because it, it did. It made it softened this guy who has no emotions. No feelings for anybody else except for myself, my beautiful self. Uh, if you know that reference, uh, send it to Dimland and I'll give you 10 points. Uh, Dim, Dr. Dam at Dimland.com. Anyway, there was, so they, they all sing along, and it's really something nice. And uh, there's a point where there's the guitar break, and it's a little funny because during the guitar break, the, the, you see all these uh, vape smoke plumes come up out of the crowd because they're all vaping at that point. Boop, boop, boop. I mean, you just watch them going around the crowd. So it was kind of funny. But uh, let me tell you, it, it, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's really good. It's really cool. Uh, number two, and countdown of the three coolest things of the week for me. Uh, number two, uh, the photos of Jupiter. I don't know. You, I, I, you know, it's the second Wednesday of the month was was uh, this week, uh, which means Minnesota Skeptics Meetup, and uh, the, the skeptics were talking about it, and I said, you know, I don't know if I'd seen anything, but I had, but I just hadn't, wasn't quite paying attention, and they started showing me stuff, and I went, holy shit, look at this stuff. It's awesome. Can you imagine, could you imagine when Gale, Galileo was looking up at the planets on his crude, you know, uh, telescope, and I, I think he was looking at... Um, Saturn, I'm sure he was looking at Jupiter, um, and could you imagine being able to show him those pictures, like get in your way back machine and say, look, dude, look at these, this is what you're looking at, this is, the he would, he would crap himself, this is awesome, 
Oh, it was so cool. The science. Science brings us there. If we all just sat around in the dark ages and kept praying, let's let's pray ourselves to that planet, that wouldn't happen. Science got us there. So take that. Um, <laughs> so uh, and then the number one, the number one for me, coolest for me. Uh, as I said, it was the uh, second Monday, uh, second Thursday of the month, which means the Minnesota Skeptics Meetup. I didn't go last month, so it's been like two months, and it's oh well, it's been exactly two months, and it felt pretty good to be there. And it was not only was it just nice to be there again, it was the the two hundredth Minnesota Skeptics, uh, not the, just the meetup, but event, because there's been other things that they've done. So. The 200th event, so a lot of people showed up. There was like, I don't know, 25, 26, or maybe more. There was a lot of people there. There was, there was a handful of new people that hadn't been there ever before, so that was kind of cool. And uh, Craig, um, uh, a very good photographer, um, who took a terrific picture of me. That's my profile picture on, on, uh, on my Facebook. Um, he had us all, you know, uh, the one place that we meet up is a, it's a deli called Bewitched. He had us all gather on this stairwell outside of it and took a picture of the group. And uh, it's great. And I'll, I'll post it on the, uh, on the show notes and you'll take a look at it. It's just, it's, you can see it. And you can see me there. I'm right down in front and, you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, it was, that's, that's uh, so three really cool things that happened this week. I hope you had at least three cool things happen to you this week what? as well. What? 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 Oh, shut up. <laughs> that was supposed to be the last thing. I was so sure I wasn't going to make him an error. That oh, just get Good out of there. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Sleep the lights off. <laughs> Check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. in. Well, well, I'm going, I'm going to, hell. to hell. What? What? What?
Thank you.